Everybody should be able to hear me now. All right. Uh, somebody in the live chat tell me if they can hear me now. You should be able to hear me. But uh, it didn't work. I tried to do it through Google Talk, but it did not work out for me. Let's see if I can talk to Chase. He don't know. Chase, can you hear me? Hello? All right, testing, testing, one, two, three. Can everybody hear me? Tell me if you can hear me, folks. Everybody that's on hold should be able to talk, so say something if you can hear what I'm saying. Can you guys hear me now? This is a disaster. I don't know why it's not working. All right, let's see. Can anybody hear me? Chase, can you hear me? Alan? I don't understand why it's doing that. Huh. I have no clue why. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Uh, who else? Anybody else on the line? They're all muted. Chase, can you come in yet? Hold on. See, I don't think Chase, Chase came in. Now, Chase. now I'm unmuted. I can hear you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I tried to do it. <laughs> I got the control. I don't know what happened. It wouldn't... It wouldn't be what I wanted to do. I tried to I tried to call in through Google uh, Hangouts and make it like Skype and just dial it, but I, the voice didn't yeah, come through. Maurice? Maurice, you on the line? Maurice. Maurice? Oh, Maurice, what's up? There we go. What's going on, man? All right. Uh, Maurice, let me get your interpretation of Batgate with the Carolina Panthers and – the New York Giants and all the blowback from Odell since you're on the line. I think it's getting blown out of proportion at this point. I mean, it's Tuesday and we're still talking about it, but I think the right thing Ron Rivera did was take the bats off the field. I mean, I don't think they were supposed to come on the field anyway. I'm not sure. I think they were supposed to stay on the sidelines. But either way, he just need to kill that to kill the noise. I don't think they were threatening Beckham with the bats. I think he's using that to kind of muddy the waters to kind of make his situation seem a little less worse. But I think just because of this situation that came up, it's a good thing that they got rid of it. A lot of teams do that. They use props for their offensive defense to kind of be like a symbol or get them hype or something like that. That's all I think the bats are for. But it's still, I mean, the thing I was thinking about earlier when they were talking about it, threatening Odell Beckham with the bats, how come the rest of the team didn't really come to his defense? Like, I didn't really see anybody. I mean, it, it That's was a good point, yeah, if he really felt threatened. Like, somebody came over to make him go away, but if he really thought that he was in trouble and nobody rushed his defense, uh, that that would be um, – that that's telling in a lot of different ways that – that either nobody rested his defense or no one thought it was a real issue at all. So it could be a whole multitude of things. So that is a very good point. Uh, stay with me, uh, Maurice. I'm all thrown off because we didn't – the show didn't start like I wanted to start. Let's get uh, – let's make sure – let's see who we got on this line here. 804-874, I'm coming at you, even though it might be – it might Will. be you, Mar. Is this is that you, Maurice? No, it's Will. I push. Oh, what's up, Keys? What's what you thinking about? You thinking about your skins? What's your take? What you got to say today? About my skins? Well, anything you want to talk about. What did you want to talk about? Uh, we talk about my skins. <laughs> Naturally. 
All right, Hizzy, what you got? Um, I like I like the way he played on Sunday. Um, I see big strides. I see improvement in Kirk Cousins. A little bit more pause in the pocket, getting rid of the ball, and we actually take some, taking some deep shots down the field. And we taking advantage of turnovers. So actually looking good all across the board. So how much do you think like that? Having back, uh, how much do you? Mar- I mean, not Marius Williams. How much do you think having uh, Jackson and, and Reed back have helped uh, Cousins, who's been really hot the last eight games or so? Uh, it helps a big deal because one stretches the field and one of the go-to guys in the numbers: five, ten yards, fifteen yards. That's just Jordan Reed right there. Deep ball yeah. that opens up space for like the under for Jordan Reed and Pierre Garcon might get some catches or something. But it just it just makes the offense flow a little better because you got that deep threat and you got that go-to guy. You catch him anywhere on the field. Y'all don't went on the road a whole lot. Uh, you got two road games coming up against divisional foes, Eagles and the Cowboys. What do you what's your take on those two games? Skeptical about the Eagles game. Well, actually skeptical about both games. But I feel that we got momentum and our defense is finally stepping up. So I think we can win out. But it won't be no blowout. Be winning close games. That being All right, thank you, Keith. We got a couple other callers. We got a restricted number here. Before we get to our little parody that we're gonna do, we have Odell Beckham and Josh Norman in studio. So you'll want to hear that. So listen in and thank you for your patience for the struggles that were coming on early on. But let's see if we can get the restricted number. If you want to talk, coming at you. Uh, restricted. Who is this? Name and town. You know who it is. <laughs> I got to call restricted so you don't mute me, man. You always cut me off oh, when God. I'm on a good rant. Oh, my God. What? Are you serious? What? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> These podcasts need some flavor, man. You can't have this boring saltine chasing here. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Are you serious? <laughs> Do you have any takes before Josh Norman comes into the studio? I mean... I, I looked up the whole uh, bat thing. Um, they've definitely been using it all year. Uh, I watched uh, a couple intros that used a little bit of uh, NFL films. Um, they usually have somebody come out and swing the bat, I guess, uh, to symbolize the hard-hitting defense and stuff like that. So it wasn't like they just brought the bat out for Odell. So I can't confirm that. Um, I feel like I'm doing my Adam right now. But, um, I mean, I think this whole thing's blown out of proportion and pretty soon you're going to have people defending Odell because Odell got bullied. And I'm really sorry about that, Odell, but you're an adult. It's okay. You reacted the way you reacted. It's over. It's done. Let's all move on. Yeah. It, it, it's it's gone. It's Tuesday now. Can I add one thing to the best one? Go ahead. Um, I just want to say what happened the week prior to the game to, to make Odell Beckham think that, all of that was directed to him anyway. Because I heard a little bit of trash talk back and forth, but it was more like a respected trash talk. So I don't get why. It was just hyping like, the matchup. It wasn't like it wasn't supposed to be like a violent thing. It was just, you know, who is the best? It's going to be a great matchup, that kind of thing they do. And then I think it got real heated before the game. And during the game, it just blew up and the pressure. And I honestly think it's all about the pressure that Odell felt to perform. And when he dropped that pass, it just and and, which, and um, Norman body slammed it twice in like the first two out of three plays. And when he dropped that pass, he got so frustrated that he couldn't handle it. That's my take. Right, but yeah. I'm just saying I, I don't get why. Like, I mean, I, that's why I'm saying I think he's just using the bat thing as kind of like to kind of ugly the situation up because what would make him think that that all was directed for him before the game even started? So I'm. I'm I'm just wondering if he's just using that as an excuse to make people like Alice say. I think that's true. He's trying to play himself as a victim and that it was justified because he has endorsements and he doesn't want to go out looking like he was just a crazy person. So he's going to give a rational reason why he lost his temper. And I think I think you're on to something there. All right. We got uh, Maurice. We have a very special surprise for everybody, even though I advertised it. So it's not that much a surprise. But we do have. Odell Beckham in studio, and we have Josh Norman in studio. And we have a new co-host, and I'm going to take a back seat and let our new co-host here take over and let Josh and Odell run the show. 
Well, thank you, Ronnie. This is uh, this is Stephen Stephen Sterling, and I and I'd like to welcome for the first time together since they were on the field Sunday, Josh Norman and Odell Beckham to the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. What's up? It's Odell. Something. All right, guys. Well, you don't sound like you got a lot of words, so let's just let's just get right into the questions here. Let's start at the beginning, Josh. What's the deal with the bat? Can you tell us about that? War boys. That's what we do. I mean, I already told you guys, you know, this matchup was edible. I love to play the best. And every article I read out there, I matched up with Daz. It was Julio and it was Odell. And I was looking forward to it. And I even started watching Mad Max Fury Road, man. I wanted to know before the game, you know, the Meadowlands belongs to us, man. We the war boys. That's what we do. Let's go. Odell, you got a response about the bat? Look, man, what happened was there's a lot of overtones that was going on, and I know I just want to address this up front. There are people saying things about me that just aren't true. Now, I might do a little dancing and I'm artistic, but that doesn't make me gay. People have been saying I'm gay. And you know what? What happened? The dude, he didn't even threaten me. He sexually propositioned me. That's what the bat was about. And I told him no, and he refused to take no for an answer. No means no, Josh. And I'm going to break a story for all y'all right now. Bat, Batman, he talked about me. Batman is a pedophile. He took in a little boy to his house, just him and the little boy. And oh, Batman don't live with women. He lives with a little boy. And that's what Josh Norman wants to imitate. And you're right. People are mad at me. I was defending the children. All right. Well, this is taking an interesting turn. Let's uh, let's focus on the on-field play, Odell. Now, we know that you had Josh beat, and you dropped an easy touchdown. What happened with that? I didn't want him behind me. I don't told you this dude was a pedophile, but I wasn't comfortable with him behind me. Now, I, I might swing both ways, but children, the man took it too far. How do you handle these allegations, Josh? This is pretty heavy stuff. I mean, you guys already see how he is, what he does, you know, who he is. I mean, it's just, some things just not worth responding to. You know, I, I do what I do on the field. And some of these guys, you know, they're not built how they say they're built, how they try to portray that they're built. And and it's just it's my job to expose them. And, and he got the man said he was days. Batman. And he mentioned Michael Jackson after the game. A known pedo. We know what's up. All right, guys. Let's, 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 let's stick with the on-field play here. Now, now, Josh, what were you thinking when you saw Odell got moved into the slot away from you? My first thought was, that's what's up. I mean, like I said two, three weeks ago, there's no packs between lines and men between the white lines. None. And if my intensity is at his height and he can't handle that, then he got to move. I came to his house, took his shit. The metal lens belonged to me. He got a problem with that. You know, he want to run around, remake Footloose, dance like Ice J.J. Fish and shit. It's football. It's physical. It's violent. If he can't handle that, take up another sport. Dancing with the Stars is good. Now, Odell, was that was that something that you chose yourself, or was that something that the coaches did? I mean, who decided to make that move? Well, after I woke Tom up, I told him that, you know, what, what Josh was doing, what he was saying to me was wrong, and I was going to file a complaint with the league. But I said, well, let's just move it so we won't have any problems here. But he know I still – did my little ballerina dance on past it. Then I put the AI on him after I caught a touchdown. I make miracles happen. And I dabbed on camp. Then a little bit later in the game, we had that helmet-to-helmet hit. The people want to know, Odell, is that the first time you've touched helmets with another man? Look here, Sterling. I ain't never touched helmets with another man. Now listen, I... When you play football, if you didn't have the money, I prefer rugby. No helmets at all. 
just men on top of men, sweat and lifting and whatnot, and it's just a man's game. It's savage. That's what I like. Savagery. All right, gentlemen. Well, <laughs> while we have you both here, is there anything that you guys want to say to each other to clear the air before we get on with the show? Uh, I, I really don't have it. Uh, I really don't have anything. What, what you want, Odell. man? What you want? What you want, Batman? You you got Robin in the basement. What you doing, man? I just want to say, you know, I mean, everything that happened Sunday, that's that's not me, yo. And um, your juice box and cupcakes are in your uh, locker. And see, that's the kind of disrespect. And it's ha- these homophobic slurs that make it. We bigger than this. The only thing homo and gay was your game. The only thing homo and gay was your game. Was your game. You talk big. You can't back it up. You can't back it up. If you spit more time, I got a head and shoulders. Somebody know you. You trying to use second fiddle on your team. You got Cam out there dancing. Cam don't even let you dance. And he whipped your ass in the preseason. You see, he came over and hugged me. He ain't got your back. He ain't got your back. Cam, Cam, Cam is a big dude, man. He is really big. That's somebody you want on your side. I would never get in a fight with a dude that big. That's like somebody. Can you say the best? Can you say the best? That's like somebody, like, if you were in prison. All right, gentlemen, gentlemen. If you were in prison with Cam. Like, that's Watch like, me. Watch me like your, Guys, your we got to get on with the show. I really, I really appreciate both of you joining us this evening. But we got to get on with the show. Let me throw this back to Ronnie. <laughs> oh, so we have, we're experimental here, folks. So we had Odell Franco and we had Josh Norman. What did you think of that interview, Maurice, with Odell Beckham and Josh Norman? <clears throat> Odell Beckham really said men on top of men on top of men. Like, I, cut I it think off he did. I, I thought, you know, he really seemed like he enjoyed rugby. And I, <laughs> I felt like maybe that was like his game. Both of those One is crying, and the other one wants to be Richard Sherman so bad that it's killing him. Tell him to get his own. He needs to get his own uh, persona. He don't need to copy Richard Sherman. I've been thinking about that today. He's Richard Sherman 2.0, seriously. He. Every, he's following the blueprint that Richard Sherman set in order to get the attention. I mean, I understand that Seattle, is, they don't put themselves on the map, but you wouldn't know who Richard Sherman was if Seattle was trash and he didn't really trash talk his way to the top. I mean, he's playing good ball, but it's Seattle. But they, they play. I cut Maurice off, but that is how you get players on the map. That's how you get yourself noticed if you're a defensive player. So I tend to agree with you, Maurice, that that's – I mean, these are great players. Like, Norman's had a great year and Sherman has. But, like, that's the way you get yourself on the map. 609, we're going to come at you. Chase and Allen, I guess we're good. I'm going to see if I can get some more callers to call in. And so, y'all, we're good with y'all. If you want to listen in, y'all keep doing it. Uh, or, yeah, or, or if y'all want to have comments, that's fine, too. <laughs> 609, name in town, name in town. Uh, depending on your religion, this is the meme god from Fairfax, Virginia. This is Spencer. <laughs> have you taken the crown? I think you might have actually taken the crown. I don't know if James went in hibernation for the winter or what. What's on your mind, Spencer? <laughs> Not too much. Uh, I just got home. Uh, what, what are we talking about? I, I just called in and I heard we were talking about Josh Norman first. Yeah, you missed you missed Odell and uh, Josh Norman. They were on our air exclusively. And they uh, oh. had a little mini debate. <laughs> so we'll see what the uh, reaction to that was. Uh, on the page, who's your, who's your NFL team? I don't even know who your NFL team is. Man, you know, I, I've been bouncing around. I've been following Percy Harvin, but that didn't work out this year. Uh, I can definitely talk so about the you're Bills a team hopper, bit. what you're saying. <laughs> your team hopper? Uh, yeah, you know, wherever, wherever Tebow is when he signs his, you know, two-week contract, I'll follow him there. But uh, but now you know the Bills. The Bills. Uh, I know you had asked the question earlier today as far as you know what was the most disappointing team, and you know I really have to go with the Bills because I mean they were getting a lot of hype. Clearly, you know they haven't been in the playoffs in forever, so it was an easy one to kind of you know try to root for. But the surprising thing was they made all those signings for on the offense, and for what it's worth, 
I mean, some of the, the less uh, exciting signings, like, you know, Tyrod Taylor, he, he ended up being more of a breakout player than anything. He ended up being, I think, third overall if you kind of look at the stats of uh, rushing quarterbacks. But the real surprise was their defense just did not come together, which was going to be kind of what they were known for. Uh, they had a great defense last year, bringing Rex Ryan. And really, it kind of reminded me of Philadelphia when Vince Young was like, oh, the dream team, because they just did not show up at all. Their offense kind of kept them in the games, and their defense just was terrible, especially more recently. Yeah, I think you're right. Thank you for your call, Spencer. That That is true. I think Buffalo is definitely one of the most disappointing teams. They have not – I mean, at what point do we just say Rex Ryan is overrated and not very good at his job? We had those years that – well, it's almost a decade now where he went to back-to-back AFC championship games, and he hasn't been the same since then. And, and for me, the most disappointing person associated with all of football, college football, college football, professional football, high school football, is Rex Ryan because that defense got noticeably worse. Who's your take on the most disappointing team, Maurice? Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? I'm sorry. Uh, most disappointing team? In, in the NFL this year? Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, I would have to say my Cowboys. I mean, I think everybody knows that Romo is down and Dez is out for six to eight weeks. I can't remember, somewhere around there. But we still didn't – we lost so many close games that we should have won. And I know we had a backup quarterback in there, two different backup quarterbacks, now three. I know that's the situation, but one of those backups that we cut this one and won a game. I think it's on the coaches, man. That system is so tailored to Romo that nobody else can really come in there and make any difference. And that's kind of disappointing. And I think Jerry got a little cocky in the offseason and kind of let DeMarco walk. And I understand where he was coming from from a money situation, but if you break down the stats, Mary meant so much to us last year. And actually the last couple of years, he's just been in and out the lineup. So I would go with probably my Cowboys most disappointing. I don't want to say it, but it's probably the truth. Uh, if Chase, if you're here, I'm going to go to you with this particular question that Dalton asked me. Are you around, Chase? Yep, I'm here. All right, Dalton asked, it, how big of an impact will Honey Badger, Lisa Cody Smith, Tyrone Matthew, how big of an impact will that uh injury have on the Cardinals and their chances to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's having a heck of a season, man. He's he's graded the highest of all cornerbacks on uh pro football focus. So I mean and that's a ranking system that you and I both trust. So to say that it's not gonna matter, you know, I you can't, but it, it's gonna be his impact is it's gonna be missed. I don't know if it's I'm trying to decide how much it's going to hurt them. Like I mean, I've seen them overcome other things, but I, I can't say that they're like a Super Bowl favorite now um, or anything with that injury. I think it remains to be seen, though, how that defense really is going to act um, without him on the field against some of these better teams. Of, of course, you want him there. Um, it's tough to say, man. A corner, cornerback's a tricky position. Like Sometimes teams can do just fine without without those guys, but he kind of – he's all over the field. He's a ball hawk, and he's a playmaker. Um, they're going to miss him for sure, but, it, you yeah. know. Before we'll see if they I uh, go to the next question, I, I can agree with you because he's so versatile, and he can play in the slide. He can play safety. He can guard your best player. Not, necessarily, not much, so much as a shutdown, but he's just solid. Uh, let me. What was your take? You, you had to be listening on the line while our intrepid team reporter was interviewing Mr. Norman and Mr. Beckham, what was your take as an observer or a listener of that uh, confrontation between those two men? To be honest, I thought uh, Josh Norman, you know, he wasn't as hype as as he should have been given the charges that were laid on him by Odell. So, I yeah, mean, it all things like considered, okay I think Odell might have won that fight. Yeah, it's about time he won something. I mean, Odell. Odell ain't no punk. Well, actually, Odell is a punk. But, you know, it's expression. So, <laughs> it's expression. It's expression. All right, let's see if I can get my brother on the phone and see what he wants to talk about. Brother, are you there? I'm here, man. About time. Goodness. Been trying to call you hung up for... one time? 
We're trying to make shows here, man. We definitely hit Levitar today. Ten minutes of dead air and a bad skit. We, we were Levitarding today. Yeah, this was, this was very Levitar. <laughs> we need some poppy drops. That'll make us official. Yeah, that's all we need. All we need. Where, where we at on your rundown, man? I can jump in whenever. Well, well anyway, you want we didn't we can approach some new stuff. I don't know if you probably you'll never read my power rankings anyway. Uh, we can do I'll Steve read, Harvey. I'll read I read the rip. I rank it from the bots. Yeah, I how read. come the bots got deleted, man? Because I delete them every week, rip. and that week I just did. To this week, I just didn't see them. It's insulting. I work on these file rankings like thirty minutes, man. <laughs> man I want the, I want the, I want the official power rankings from the computers, man. I don't want this man-made human error stuff. Well, well, you know, human error is okay sometimes. It's part of the game. They just showed that a bot, like, they showed on, I just saw a thing, and I forgot to share it in the group, a drone took out somebody in a skiing race, and a drone took the skier out. <laughs> I was what? like, the bot isn't busy. <laughs> you can't trust the bot. They're about to take over. Bot's taking over, man, no doubt. Is, is Spencer still on the line? He knows, man. No, I let Spencer, I let Spencer go. He told me he had to smoke some weed, so I let him out. Oh, <laughs> Let me let me get there most surprising before we go to the NFL and we all can talk. You still there, Maurice? Maurice in and out on me because I haven't been talking to so go away. Uh, Keith, no, Adams and uh, you, yeah, you yeah, I'm here. Here. Okay, Adam, and we can all discuss it. Adam, y'all Burrows, most surprising team is the Panthers, which seems good. Most disappointing, the Colts. Breakout players are Robinson, Norman, and Gurley. What do you guys think of that list? Just jump in. Most I agree with the, I agree with those teams for sure. I think that the Colts are absolutely a disappointment when so many people had them pegged for the Super Bowl, and uh, here they are. I mean, I guess they may end up making the playoffs, but they certainly don't make look like they're going to make any noise. So that's a pretty far fall from last season. And uh, obviously, the Panthers are, are looking like they may be able to take that next step, though I'm not entirely sold still. What's your take on that whole thing with Carolina? I don't. You don't say about it. You don't talk about it as much as I see other people talk about it on the page court. But as them coming out of the NFC, what do you think is the likelihood of that? Uh, I wasn't sold on them um, until that offense got right, and they're leading the league in, in scoring now. I think I heard. Um, so <laughs> that's just different. Um, Honestly, I mean, I'm a big Cam fan. Y'all know I've been been very praising him for a long time, and and I've um, stuck up for him when people are claiming to be body language experts and call him a bad leader, all that stuff. And, and I'm still not trusting him. I'm still not trusting him in a shootout versus Carson Palmer and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if I have to choose, like, so I don't think that defense has been playing as good lately. Um, I mean. The only teams they're really dominating are crappy, crappy teams. Anything assembling a good offense is kind of moving the ball on them. So I don't think that defense is as good as everyone thinks. And I think them playing a team like the Cardinals um, could definitely give them problems, even Seattle. But, I mean, I'd still definitely say they were the favorites if I had to bet one team to make the um, to make the Super Bowl. I'd probably bet Arizona, to be fair. But um, I still think you have to call the uh, the Panthers favorites. Coming at you, Maurice. Uh, on Ken- yeah, this yeah, Candace's list is she got a couple extra things here. Carolina, most surprising, which is not you know that's normal, and of course with our team, most disappointing. Indy breakout players: Gurley, Cooper, Diggs, David Johnson. Additional category: old timers with big seasons: Alex Smith, Ted Ginn, and D'Angelo. Angel Williams and Jonathan Stewart. What's your thoughts on her list, uh, Maurice? Yeah, I mean it's, that's, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I said my Cowboys obviously because I'm hurt by them, but the Colts might be the most disappointing. But they've had quarterback issues too. Andrew Luck been in and out the lineup, uh, but Hasselbacks played pretty well. But to that point, the way they're losing now, man, like to the Jags and. Sorry, Brian, but you let the Jags put up 51 on you. I mean, something ain't right. So, I think I like her list. And, of course, the Panthers is the most surprising. That has to be on probably everybody's list. Todd Gurley definitely has had a breakout season. Rookie, I really wanted him. He, I knew he had a shot of being great, and it looks like he's heading that direction. Um, who did she say? Who else she said? That I mean, uh, she had the big old-timers with big seasons. Alex Smith, Ted Ginn. 
and D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart had a resurgence that you wouldn't have expected. D'Angelo Williams has filled in pretty nice, too, for Pittsburgh. He's done a pretty good job. I give him credit for what he's been doing. Because once Bell went down, I kind of thought they might have been in trouble, but they still they still ticking. Uh, Can I take a homer is, uh, moment on this real quick? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to say. You said it last night. Go ahead. No, no, no. This is something different. Um, So there's actually, uh, as far as improved players, two guys that had kind of been written off, um, Malcolm Jenkins, is playing lights out for the Eagles. He's been, um, I think he, last I checked, he was the top-ranked safety on pro yeah, football. Yeah, safety, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's, but that's a big, you know, that guy was kind of like, I mean, he wasn't left for dead, but they certainly weren't well, expecting that out of him. He's playing well. He's been solid. The only reason that he wasn't like the most maligned player in Philly is because Kerry Williams was horrible. But he didn't have a great season either. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Well, I mean, he was good on the Saints, but you know, he's he's uh, this has been his best season ever. Yeah, and then I um, yeah, it really has. And Kurt Coleman, and he's he's he was left for dead, and now he's uh, he in Philly, and now he's making noise in the Panthers secondary. So, I, you know, both those players, I'm personally been proud of and and happy to see um, both of them playing well. Uh, we had a question from Shay. Uh, he says, why trust Carson Palmer? That is a good point. Like, Carson Palmer, because he's a veteran, has been given, like, this automatic uh, legitimacy. And I don't believe he's won a playoff game because he kept getting hurt, and he got hurt last year, and he got hurt the game in Cincinnati. So, Corey and Chase, you can jump in there. Uh, and, Corey, you specifically made the point about uh, Arizona. Why should we trust Carson Palmer? Because he doesn't make mistakes. You trust people that – are judicious with the ball and aren't reckless with it. And, I mean, he doesn't, if you look at his interception percentage, he's just not making as many mistakes as Cam. I think he's thrown it 500 times and had, he's thrown it probably close to 100 more times than Cam and had two, two, three less turnovers and he's throwing the ball down the field vertically. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a playoff thing for from my standpoint, when I say trust in a quarterback, I trust quarterbacks who uh, make good decisions with the football, and they usually translate to the playoffs if you're not reckless with the ball and late with throws and things of that nature. So that's what I mean, people that take care of the football. You see your Brady's, you see your Rodgers. They're consistently single-digit interceptions. Then you get to the playoffs, and that's that follows them. So it wasn't necessarily a I trust him that he's not going to choke type thing. It's a I trust him not to make turnovers in close games. Um, so that's yeah. really what I think. In, in Alan, addition you're still to, on the uh, line, and Jimmy brought up a team that we should have brought up, but their fans disappeared, so we don't even think about them anymore, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, before the season, you wouldn't put Atlanta on the disappointing list, but starting 5-0 and no, and then dropping all their games like that, they have to be on the list. You with us? You, you uh, alive, Alan? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I just wanted to touch on Carson Palmer real quick. I think we should trust Carson because he's he's been in Seattle and won a game before. He's he's been um, he's been in tough situations, not necessarily playoff situations, but he's got the guys around him offensively. Who uh, whether it's on the offensive line or even just in Larry Fitzgerald, like that team got pretty far without him last year. So all he has to do is, is come in and be poised, and, and we've seen him be poised before. But yeah, I I mean I think. I think uh, I think he'll be okay this year. I don't yeah, see I, I, I just trust discussion. him. Let me Go add ahead, one quick. Him. Let me add one quick stat to that. You got so with with Carson Palmer, the wide receivers Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, and Michael Floyd. All three of them are ranked in the top twenty-five on Pro Football Focus. That's the only team that has three receivers in the top twenty-five. And who is that? Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Yeah, but Floyd's in that he's right there. But Brown Floyd's in and out. When he's when he's actually in the lineup, he plays well, but he's not in the lineup a lot. John Brown, shit is not real. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> what's the Cardinals? Go ahead, I guess other people. But I was going to say, what's the Cardinals? Do it, course. With the Cardinals, when are we going to really? And and I don't know why this doesn't happen. Give this man Bruce Aarons' props. I feel like he doesn't get it. Like, every time we talk about the Cardinals, it's, oh, it's, uh, Patrick Peterson. It's that tingle hat, man. It's that, 
Go ahead. Yeah, oh, Palmer's <laughs> underrated. We should be talking about Palmer for MVP, but what about talking about Bruce Aarons as one of the best three coaches in football? Because he is. I'll, 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 I'll take that. Uh, I'll take for that. And if you got a chance to do an opinion, I'm tired of this hosting crap because you don't get to give opinions when you host. You just set people up. I'm not a point guard. I'm, I'm as far as opinions go. I'm Kobe, baby. <laughs> but I can play point guard. I like Kobe. Um, I think Bruce Arians to me is top three, or maybe the second coach behind Belichick. Uh, last year, I thought he did a sensational job, especially with this offense. And a lot of what Bruce Arians does, well, hey, you got to win in the playoffs for people respect you, I guess. But a lot of what he does, you can't see with the naked eye. you got to watch all 22 or people that know what he's talking about. They scheme so well, and they get those mm-hmm. speed receivers isolated down the field. And it's all – there's no more vertical offense in the league than – Arizona and Carson Palmer runs it perfectly, well, you know, really well. And they are just striking down the field, getting matchups, taking safeties out, and creating just mismatches and just confusion in secondaries. And all of that is because of Bruce Arians and just his overall leadership abilities that he just inspires his guys. He's a hell of a coach. He doesn't get the props he deserves, but I mean, I, I think people are, people notice him it's just like you said he's got to get that signature playoff win or, or something but um to me just getting that team last year to the playoffs with what he had like a his second string then the third string a guy he picked up from like the enterprise <laughs> uh so i'm <laughs> like yo i thought he did pretty good man um but going back to what you said about the falcons and uh what exactly is wrong with them or, or whether they're like a disappointment i think the falcons are reality they didn't replace tony gonzalez ever uh they've never really had a good running game Matt Ryan's always had a safety valve, whether it be Tony Gonzalez or a healthy Roddy White, uh, a healthy Julio Jones. I mean, when you take those things away from him and give him uh, a pretty much a porous offensive line, I don't think it's unrealistic to to expect him not to succeed. He never really was that good to begin with that he could carry the team by himself. Like, it's not just a missing part. It's a collection of missing parts. So it's, it's more or less like you plug one hole in the boat and then another hole pops up and pretty much – you only got 10 fingers, so if he, he's got 10 fingers plugged into the holes, but he's got 15 holes. He can't do it all. And uh, once Julio gets fully healthy, um, and they, they've got to find another receiver, uh, Roddy's not getting it done. Even the slot receiver is, is, is Hankerson. Hankerson couldn't even make it in, in Washington. You got a new coach. Your defense is, is young and, and unproven. It's just the accumulation of things, and I think it was bound to fail. I think uh, 5-0 was a great start in a perfect world. But reality is they are who they are right now, and I think the fans realize that after week seven. That's why they, they're not around. Uh, let's, I want to get to a basketball topic before we uh, before we get off there. But nope. let's, uh, let's, let's get oh, – did you want to jump in, Chase? Nope, I'm good. Oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's do uh, – uh, I wanted to talk about the – the debate that we had on the page about the greatest players, but let's do let's talk about Steve Harvey first before we get to that. And Maurice, you could jump back in. Uh, everybody saw the Steve Harvey situation. I, I just want to ask Alan and my brother, and then well, Maurice, you can get in there too. Uh, let's get Maurice and then Alan and Corey and Chase. You can all just chime in. How many years did Steve Harvey set my people back or our people back Sunday night? <laughs> it was a big mistake, man. But I think there's just like the Odell Beckham thing. It's just getting blown out of proportion because of this media-driven, social network-driven society and, and people are meaning it and everything else. He made a big mistake. He apologized for it. I don't know what else they want the man to do, but it's getting kind of blown out of proportion. It's actually getting – it's not funny no more with all the memes that they're putting out. Like, I've seen a thousand It's still of funny them. to me. I'm still laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still good with it. Uh, Alan, what's your take on it? It's always going to be funny. I still see quality I mean, memes I mean, turned funny. out, man. I just – I mean, it's, it's stupid that people care so much. And it, to me, I didn't even know there was a pageant going on, and then I saw that, and I, I just Jesus. laughed. But, like, you know, if I if I can actually step out of character and be mature for once, I, I really respect Steve uh, in, in this PC world we live in where people try to cover up things and come up with excuses and, oh, my Twitter got hacked generation, like, just pretty much owning it. Like, yo, I made a mistake. It is what it is. I mean, you're talking about a comedian. 
So everybody is running their mouth about him and stuff, especially people in the mainstream media. Like, don't forget, he's got a radio show. He's still got jokes for days. So in my in my opinion, if you're not ready for that get back, you should just shut up. Because when, when he does fire back, or if he decides to fire back, it's going to be real petty. I'm talking like kings of comedy level petty. He got ammo. <laughs> he got friends, too. Yeah, he can. He got Corey, you jump in. Too, so. We run a long time. Man, I don't fool with no Steve Harley. This is karma for him lying to women for, like, years and making millions off of them. How much did he set us back? The thing is, is we ain't never getting another live hosting gig. If they, like, the light-skinned funny man can't read, there ain't nobody else coming close <laughs> to a gig unless you're biracial. The light-skinned funny man can't read? Nah, man, they're not giving I feel, I feel like that's a anyway. Uh, it did, but our people, Team Nickel has been on the assault. There's a tape of Robin Thicke announcing the wrong people for the Miss World pageant in 2006. <laughs> not Robin, Alan's his daddy. Alan's <laughs> So Team Nickel has done uh, Odell like PR assault to try to make it like it's not that big a deal. To me, it's all jokes. Nah. Why take it seriously? You, you guys are missing the you're missing the gravity of how great that whole situation was. Not only did he get it wrong, <laughs> then he stands up there and he's like. Don't blame the ladies. It was a great night. And then he just runs <laughs> off the stage. Like, <laughs> what else were you going to blame? And then he, he, he runs blame right off the stage and, and writes a tweet that's completely wrong and just, like, doubles down on the bad, man. Like, this dude Flippians. made, like, Flippians. five straight Miss mistakes, Flippians. man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the right thing, I'm going to tell you all right now, if I don't get another season of Narcos, that nickel going to have to see me. <laughs> Don't blame the ladies, though. <laughs> Don't blame the ladies. He tried. He didn't, he didn't man up. But then, <laughs> the tweet was horrible. I don't know if his assistant should have took over or he was really shook. But <laughs> he spelled like Columbia House Records and Philippians. <laughs> That's probably how he said it, too, for real. Yeah, probably so. He he, he was really he really got shook up. But that would mess he you up. He didn't even read the card like to that. read the tweet, man. He couldn't even read the card for the second time. He's an improv man. artist. It's not about reading. And when you improv, man, it's a comedian. It's a, it's they don't a Donald have Trump. It's a Donald Trump conspiracy, man. He sold the show, rigged the cards and everything, so people could still talk about him to help with his Yo. campaign. That was the best part. Donald Trump came out and he was like, I just sold it for a record amount. He tweeted that out. <laughs> he like, said, it's like, I sold it. I sold it. What he, for a record say, amount. what he failed to say was that they made him sell that shit because he clowned uh, Mexicans and stuff like that. Which is yeah, even funny really that Columbia was at the, they Nobody yeah. wanted to do the, the, the passion. Yeah. The, the irony is that the, per- the people he was talking about, the ones got screwed over. <laughs> Hey, Philippines, yo, if you got that Philippine chick, yo, holla at me. Yeah, I think she was the true winner anyway. I'm not sure why um, Why she – I don't know what the future was about anyway. Back. I, he he I, announced it the right winner the first time. Yes, yeah, that's gave his own power rankings, uh, man. That's all. I talk, let's move to another issue. Today I talked about – I don't know what made me think of it because we've got about 10 minutes. But today I talked about why we or how we decide, especially in the NBA – but how we decide, like, who the greatest is. And I can't get rational answers except from Joe Lawrence gave me a rational answer. But if rings are the thing, then why don't we have Bill Russell as the number one uh, player of all time? So people aren't consistent. And I know the Robert Ory argument is kind of a, a, a straw man, but the thing is, these people can't even build any kind of man of an argument. The ring people don't build any argument. So they don't even have a straw man to stand on. So in your in your guys' minds, what how do you evaluate, particularly in basketball, but in general, how do you evaluate individual greatness in the context of team success? Chase, you can start because I made you wait. All right, yeah, I mean, to me, you have to reach a certain level of stats. So you, if you have like top five, top top ten stats, then you start looking at rings to differentiate. Like I think both are a part of the equation. But you can't just have rings because then, yeah, you get Robert Ory. But if you have, like, a certain level of stats and then the number of rings, you know, it's like you have to add them into the equation. But the stats are a must, um, in my opinion. So when you're talking about Wilt being the greatest, in my opinion, I mean, I, I you know, you know I'm a huge Wilt fan. I'm good with that. That makes sense to me. He's got a couple rings. Like, he doesn't have as many as 
guys like Jordan or Russell, but his stats are so unbelievable. They We will never see anything that he did ever again, like not even close. Well, and according to Jade, he should have got more rebounds. Did so. you see that? Jade said he should have got more rebounds. Like he's having 25 rebounds a game. <laughs> like, what in the world? Yeah, I mean, it's the league in scoring and rebounds for, I think it was like seven straight seasons. Um, and, and it wasn't close in either category. So, I mean, like, okay, he wasn't getting a title every year, but he did get titles. So it's not like he was just ringless. So he has that combination of both stats and rings. So, in my opinion, um, you going with Wilt didn't offend me at all. I, I can I could see a case for him or Jordan, no problem with either one. What's your uh, Maurice? You haven't got as much airtime as much. What's your take on all that? I kind of agree with Chase. It, it has to be a factor of both. Like you have to be top five, in my opinion, and be able to get rings as the guy, not Robin. But you have to be Batman and be top five to kind of. For me to say you're the goat or one of the best, that it, you can't just go by rings. I mean, y'all slander my man, big big shot Bob and all, but I mean he has what seven championships, but he was never the guy in any of them. He made big shots, so that's why his argument you can just throw out the window. So I'm I'm thinking like I kind of agree with Chase on that. It it has to be a factor of both. Uh, Alan or Corey, y'all just jump in. Yeah, I feel I think- like. Oh, go ahead, Corey, because what I'm about to say don't make no sense. All right, well, if you got highlights before TV was in color, I don't respect your game, okay? So I'm just going to put that out there for everybody that's new school. It's like comparing a dinosaur to a lion right now. Like, come on, man, I can't even fathom that. Of course, you, you score you 100 about? points in the game and stuff like that. <laughs> talking about what, man? What is the greatest? Who cares, man? All these old dudes, man. I think you put it there. Like a dinosaur with killer line. <laughs> Dinosaur, dog. Dinosaur. Of course, of course, he's going to be superior to what we have now because we have a more evened out ecosystem. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's athletes everywhere now. Back when Wilt played, he was the only athlete, man. Of course, he's going to dominate. Jeez. Can you mute that dude, I know we're not a sports group, or we're more than a sports group, but I'm not looking for ecosystem uh, rants. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna hear. I was I was on board with him, you know. I'm the new school uh, caper. Kelly starts slandering Will. You're not gonna slander Will on my watch. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I, me being the NBA um, guru I am, I think I have a pretty good hold on. I think you have to be careful. Did you just did you, you just be, just gloss yourself as an NBA guru? I mean, facts. I think like it's not true, but there's a lot of self gloss there. A lot of self gloss. Um. So um. So the there's, there's both. There's both. There's um, you cannot be looking at just stats either, especially from that era while Allen is not correct about only athletes. It was a very sped-up era. They're shooting like 50 more shots. There's just all these other opportunities for rebounds. The game was sped up. All that stuff. They didn't run plays. Like all that stuff has to be taken into account. So you can't just keep stats. You can't just have Kevin Love exactly. in the world in Minnesota. Exactly. You can't take stats of people like Steph Curry that aren't allowed to get touched. You're right. we got to consider all of it. Go ahead. You can't have Kevin Love putting 26 and 15 in Minnesota, not watch games, and actually think they're <laughs> a top five player. Like, you can't do stuff like that. Like, that can't happen. So you have to have some way to differentiate in the NBA, especially because one player can get you at least to the second round every year if you're an all-time great player. But there is a difference between greatness and the best. I think Wilt was the best player to ever play the game, but I do not think that is necessarily the same as greatness, and I think the two can be confused. So I think when you're saying greatest, greatest starts to link to achievements. And I think you can even count individual achievements, count finals MVPs, count regular season MVPs, to start to look at true hardware as achievements. So I think you have to get to a certain threshold, like you guys said, once you make your top 20, and you can start looking at finals MVP, were you the alpha dog? Were you the best scorer on your team? Were you the best player on your team during those rings? So I think the rings argument's always stupid, but finals MVPs are individual achievements. Being the best player on a championship team, that's something you can individualize. I don't think you can consistently say, oh, that person never got there. If you're an all-time great, 
a top ten great, you're going to get a ring. It's just impossible not to, or your shelf life is too small. So once you get two rings, I think you need a lot more than someone to, before you can call them great. Once you get the two, that's not an accident. You got to you got to have so many more and be equal to them in the stats for it to to make a difference. So anyone that ever says a big man that's shooting forty two percent is better than someone that averaged fifty and twenty, I can't respect <laughs> your opinion. The, the, the whole Wilt thing, the slander is unreal. Like, if you go and look at the individual games, there was like 49 playoff meetings between the two of them, and 10 times Russell scored under 10 points. And I think maybe that might have happened to Wilt twice. But he was just dominating the whole time, especially in their prize. And they act like Wilt was getting shut down, and Russell had some sort of Jedi mind trick on him. When that wasn't the case, he just had better people. I, I posted this basketball. Everybody's talking about a great individual defender that uh, Russell was. But it won't just look giving them the business. Like Shays and and, yeah, and, and uh, Pettit. And Pettit were giving this man 25 a game. So, like, people got to stop and white. that. I mean, they they give this man credit for the offense for his Kevin Love outlet passes, what Kevin Love and Braun do. Like, so, Corey, man. Corey, I got a quick question for you, Corey. Since, mm-hmm. since I heard you break that list down like that, where would you put, like, a player, like, in your rankings? Would you wait Dirk Nowinski, like, maybe over Barkley then? Well, be, honestly, I mean, to be completely sorry. honest, um, I don't think you can put Dirk over Barkley just because of how much more Barkley did on the basketball court than Dirk. But I think Dirk's a lot higher than those people have him. And you have to also... More versatile. More versatile. Yeah, yeah, Barkley's just more versatile. But honestly, like, if you have KG and Dirk very close to Charles Barkley and Malone, I would tend to agree with you because they had seasons that are that that are superior to to some of theirs, and it wasn't as though Dirk beat nobody. He beat Braun and D Wade, like that counts. And Duncan to get there, Duncan to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he sent he sent D Wade to psychology. (laughs) To psychiatry, (laughs) he sent Braun to psychiatry. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you, guys. I only got like two minutes yet left. Uh, we got it done. You know, trial and error. Thanks for doing the show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, wait. Can, can I say one thing before we go? Before we go. Go I ahead. Apologize I apologize to everybody out there. Will is definitely the all-time greatest pimp. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Winning his life. Like Another, Another stat that Jay, he tops Jay, in, man. Jay, Jay really every said point. that Bill Russell was a better man. Like, how could you even know that? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> 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 we gotta go. Crazy Boston people.